is it going? Ah, good, good, good. Been uh, so. Lauren is back from her uh, cyber defense training camp at University of Maryland. Oh, nice. Is she a cyber warrior now? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. She's uh, ready for the uh, cyber Geddon. Or is it cyber <laughs> cyber apocalypse? Or cyber, yeah. yeah, 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 cyber apocalypse. She's yeah. ready to be a, a cyber wise man. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was fun. She was there for like a whole week, and like every day it's like, Oh, now let's uh, crack some passwords and let's uh, sniff the network and and pull passwords out of uh, um, you know out of stuff. So um, she really really enjoyed it. So it, it really hit the spot and um, you know it was a lot of it was Linux based and it's like oh let's let's bust into a Windows system and let's bust into a, a, a Linux box and everything. So she really enjoyed it. I mean that sounds like a blast. That actually sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah, I looked at the. Uh, syllabus and i was like jealous because it's, it's you know and they had like speakers from like the nsa would come in and then they would tour the um northrop grumman and and they went to the national cryptological museum and you know all kind of stuff like that so it was, she enjoyed it oh i'll bet i'll bet yeah that sounds great uh, do you suppose is this, is this a is she considering a career change now well no she always wanted to get a computer science degree forever mm-hmm. and and so with the schools we've been looking at, you could get a uh, computer science degree with a specialization in cybersecurity. So, you know, so you could specialize in robotics or security or video game design or things like that. So I, I think she likes um, likes that the best uh, so far. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. How cool. Man, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have these opportunities when we were growing up, did we? No, I, I had woodshop. <laughs> I made you this ashtray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. A terrible attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Sorry, Dad. Yeah. So, so what's going on in your neck of the woods? Are you beating the heat? Uh, the heat. The heat is beaten. Yes. Uh, and uh, actually, so I don't know if I mentioned on the show. We actually we, we got a new car for the first time in a long time. Uh, really? Yeah. That's right. So, uh, Ingrid, myself. Uh, Soren and Rosie, our dog, uh, didn't quite fit in uh, our Honda Accord or our uh, yeah Honda whatever it was our our sedan. Um, the one Soren was uh, born in. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. And in fact, and actually, in the show notes, I'll, I'll put a little link. We took one last photo of him sitting in the seat on which he was born. Um, nice. <laughs> before we sold the uh, the old car. Anyway, so we got was a new that, car. Was, that, was his picture in the Carfax report for it? That? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, I wonder if we had to do a disclosure. Anyway, too late now. Um, and uh, so what what I was reminded of or what I learned is that, you know, air conditioning systems actually degrade over time, especially in cars. Huh? And uh, Did not know that. Yeah. And so uh, our poor, poor old car couldn't quite keep up. When it gets to about 100, that's when it, it's like, you know, I'm out. New dealer. Right. Oh. And uh, is, was it like a like you need just a free on recharge? Or uh, something like that. We tried that. It didn't seem to work. And uh, and frankly, you know, once it gets to like 105, you can barely blame yeah. it. Um, and so uh, anyway, but, but, you know, you become like a like a frog being boiled. You become inured to it over time. You just kind of recognize it as that's just how cars are when it gets over 100 degrees. Uh, but man, we get this new car. I'm, Dave, I'm telling you, it's <laughs> like a like a 
like a full blown air conditioning. It just it's always cold in there. It's always cold. You're like wearing a sweater. It's delightful. Around. Yeah, I got a little blanket, a little shawl in case I get a little <laughs> chilly. It's great. Um, and did we have this is have we not talked about the remote control on the car at all? No. Oh, okay. All right. We're, okay. Throw the throw the show throw the agenda out the window. We got to talk about this. So uh, I got a Volvo, and uh, one of the features that Volvo offers you now is uh, a remote, uh, basically a remote control from your phone of your car. Mm. Okay. So from my phone, I can do things like uh, lock and unlock the car. Right. Makes sense. It seems obvious. Um, you know, honk the horn in case I get lost. The app will keep track of where the car is parked, and so will let me know where the car is. Um, mm-hmm. And it will it keeps a total telemetry on the car, so that I know, like the you know, the odometer and the and the trip meter mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. Um, uh, average fuel consumption, average speed. Uh, it also has a driving journal, so it uh, lets me know all of the trips the car has taken. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, it gets, then it gets more creepy. You can, uh, actually remotely start the car from my, from your telephone. That's, that's great for like winter and landing at the airport and great for 110 degree weather. So, you know, as I'm finishing up in a home Depot, I just go into my phone, hit the button and I get out there and my car has been running for five minutes and it's already cooled down Mm -hmm. because I hate the environment. Um, (laughs) the, uh, uh, but I was, but I wanted to get your, I wanted to get your, your take on this, Dave, because you know that's a, first of all, the just the sheer amount of data that they were collecting was yes. surprising to me, right? Um, yes. The fact that they allow me to benefit from that data is actually, I think, probably a net good thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I can see a lot of use for uh, the driving journal, for example, if I was driving a lot for work and I needed to expense yes. the miles. You can actually go in and flag certain trips as having been business trips or personal trips, yeah. and then okay. you can rope and then produce a report that tells you exactly um how much uh, how much mileage you can build your company so i thought that was pretty cool um okay uh but it, it seems like okay so now my car is kind of inextricably tied up with my phone and now there's some volvo server out there uh storing basically everything that my car has done um yeah. and you know if if i were to commit a crime hypothetically you can be absolutely mm-hmm. certain that that stuff's going to get uh surrendered to the authorities um but if somebody hacked it, Dave, what if, what if, what what do they now have access to besides where my car has been and how fast I drive? Yeah, well, I would even so part of I I don't know. Well, but my my bigger concern would be like, are they reselling that data to other parties to optimize your ad experience for or whatever? Right? right. Like they notice you keep going to Home Depot, so all of a sudden you get Lowe's coupons in the mail. Right. 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 Yeah, I suppose that's right. I suppose that's yeah. true. And, and then the other part, well, I think from, you know, the good part of it would be um, you could take the telemetry and then give that to the insurance company and get a better rate or that's not. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Yep. Great point. Um, yeah. So it would be it would be kind of nice to like when you're on the days that you're not in a hurry to be able to uh, um, let it record all the telemetries. But the days that you are in a hurry to uh, uh, forget about the those uh, trips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. and I could also imagine, like for car resale value too, um, you could you could show that it's like, oh, I didn't drive like a maniac, and you know, I I've only driven it in, to church or whatever, you know, and <laughs> right. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's a good idea. Um, 
there's also uh, also another nice part of the service is that um, if I get like low brake fluid, low fuel, uh, tires need air, stuff like that, that actually shows up as an alert on my phone. Yeah, that's so, nice. Yeah, which is kind of nice. Um, and then I guess the last piece I wanted to talk about on this was the uh, was also the roadside assistance stuff, right? So you can, um, uh, you know, if the airbags are deployed, like they'll yeah. you can talk to them and stuff like that. I guess that's not that's not surprising anymore but um it was the first time we'd bought a new car in a long time and i was flabbergasted at all of these gigas and doodads that are in the car you know like it knows my key and so will like the, the seat will reconfigure to my yeah. preferences and i just like wow this is i'm i'm only used to getting this in a rental car i'm not used to this you know being in my real car so that was right uh, anyway uh it's a, a moment uh, i'm a proud american and i'm actually looking for excuses now to drive around so that's cool yeah so do you uh, um so is that like a subscription service or, or is it like part of the price of the car? It is some of the features. Upsell. Yeah. Some of the features are part of a subscription, which, uh, I'm currently in the first year is free or whatever. Um, and, uh, just based on how frequently I'm using this, I'm definitely going to re up it. It's totally worth it. Um, mm. yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yup. Uh, and if we still have this car, when Soren starts driving, this is going to become indispensable, right? Well, that, yes. And, and I would, or you get a new car and what, what creepier things would you be able to track him with? Um, <laughs> that's right. yeah. And, yeah. And that's the thing that I always wonder about too. It's like how often, like what happens when the car is out of warranty and will you still get updates for it? And, you know, like I always say, like, it's like, the enter, the infotainment system in like a 68 Camaro was like an AM radio back in the day, right. um, which may be cool for nostalgic reasons, but not very useful uh, nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so whenever it's Soren's, uh, Soren starts driving and he'll be like, what's an Android, you know, or, or whatever, you know, by the time he uh, uh, gets that old. So I, I wonder how like upgradable uh, those types of things will be. No, it's true. And I, I, I have noticed that uh, the car does have a 3G modem in it. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I think I'm getting updates. I presume I'm getting software updates, but it's just happening in the background that I don't see it. Um, yeah, I can do things like search Wikipedia from my car, which is kind of cool, although a little slow cause it's 3g. Um, yeah. and parenthetically, I mean, this, it's a 2015 car. So like, why are they giving me a 3g modem? Like how, like, right. come on, man, splurge. Like, cause it's gonna, like, I, I, I can't really explain why they, why they, gave me the uh the low end modem on that car maybe i should have upgraded anyway or, or maybe that frequency is like at bargain prices right now since right you know most everybody's moved to 4g so there's a lot of spectrum that's very inexpensive and you're probably not hammering the bandwidth for what you're doing it could also be usually. a coverage thing maybe because lte yeah. is still not blanketed nationwide so maybe just uh, yeah yeah yep anyway new cars are great that's that's my takeaway that's my takeaway. Nice. Um, another, I got another new acquisition I got when I'm playing around with is uh, you ever heard of a thing called Rescue Time? I heard of it, but t- tell me more. So this is a little spy that you install on your computer, and it takes a look at all of the things that all the windows that you have open, and keeps track of them through the course of the day, and then produces these beautiful reports on uh, basically how which apps you're spending time on in the course of your day, and. Uh, through some kind of crowdsourcy, somehow they've like very they very specifically know about just about everything that I'm running, 
um, <laughs> and can categorize them uh, based on like, this is business stuff. This is your actually working like you're designing or composing something you're <laughs> screwing around on Twitter. Um, it actually knows the difference between all these things and gives you a little report. Um, so as I look at my report uh, for what I've collected so far this month, um, I have spent 41% of my time on business, 21% of my time on communications and scheduling, and 12% of my time on design and composition. Hmm. So pretty cool, actually. It's a, it's a, it's a nice, uh, it's a, I, I use it as a little check-in uh, during yes. the day, you know, just to see like, okay, well, how am I doing? Like, am I, am yeah. I on target? Um, and I, what I thought I was going to do is find that I'm, I'm spending an appalling amount of time on Twitter, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is probably objectively true, but uh, it's actually more useful for, for me for keeping track of um, ways I talk about work versus ways that I'm, I'm, I'm doing work, right? So it's the difference mm-hmm. between, like, email is not actually work. Um, although being in Google Docs is work right? Because that's, I'm actually creating new information and, and putting it right. into documents and stuff like that. And so um, being able to keep track of and balance off the amount of time I spend communicating um, in Slack or blue jeans, video conferencing or Gmail or whatever, and, and how much time I'm spend actually working. Um, that's been really interesting. So like in the course of this, since I started using this thing um, and I've logged 45 hours so far, mm-hmm. um, I spent uh, about 10% of my time actually doing stuff, like actually creating something. And the rest yes. of the t- the vast majority of the time is actually spent communicating, coordinating, et cetera, et cetera. So yep. it's it, it, interesting, a nice little, nice little check for myself. Um, and uh, uh, again, I thought it was going to be all about, you know, not screwing around on Twitter, but it turns out that it's actually Gmail is uh, more pernicious uh, to my productivity yeah. than, uh, than Twitter is. I'm not surprised. And and is this is rescue time measuring just your browser tabs or is it like all the apps you're like all of a sudden if you're running Keynote, does it monitor that too? Yeah. So not just the browser tabs, so it's watching the websites themselves, but it's yes. also, yes, but also the native apps is uh, okay. the native apps too. Yeah. Yeah. It's very smart. And it's, and it knows about almost everything. Like it knew, it recognized NVAlt, GarageBand, Todoist, yeah. like it knows how to file all that stuff. So they must have some wonderful database of, uh, of a uh, software in there, but anyway. Yeah. Well, one other thing though, is what happens if like, to me, if you measure the amount of time you're in Twitter versus the rest of things, to me, there's also the cost of context switching. And even if you go into Twitter for like 30 seconds for me to like rebuild the, yeah. the, the stack of, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, it's like I flushed all the caches. I look at Twitter, and it's like, oh, now I got to start all over again. Yeah. And and so I I don't know if there's a good way to measure that, or if it does the rescue time can factor that in. Like it's not just the aggregate of how much time you're in Twitter, mm-hmm. but like how many times you go in, and then sort of like that bell curve of the the setup and teardown time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So in the in the productivity section uh, or in the productivity report, they actually divide. Uh, by app, they just they have somehow figured out which apps are very productive, which ones are moderately productive, which ones are neutral, and which ones are very distracting. Um, mm, yeah. And so, and I think that's kind of a proxy for what you're talking about. But I agree yeah. that they're, they're keeping track of the number of times you flip back and forth between things is is significant. Yeah, for sure. for sure. Yeah, and and you also do this on your phone and tablet and everything too, so you have a holistic view. 
I'm not ready for that level of self-awareness, to be honest. I'm right now. I'm just tracking. <laughs> <laughs> right, right now, I'm just tracking the computer on the computer. But, uh, but yeah, they do have apps that you can that you can install. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I find it, I'm finding it a really useful diagnostic, so I recommend folks check it out. Nice. Yeah. Um. All right, let's go, Dave. We got to get going. I, I. This is the last time we're going to talk in a in probably two weeks. Okay. Um, I'm going to Sweden. Oh. I'm going to Sweden, and I'm going to spend some time in London, taking a little time off. Uh, Soren and Ingrid are already over there, so I'm going to go join them. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, so if if you go, you got to go to uh, Bletchley Park if you can swing it. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a really Seriously. good idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the National Computer Museum there as well, which is great. Um, highly recommend it. That's a great idea. That hadn't occurred to me. But yeah, we're going to spend about three or four days in London and we're going to need a way to kill time. So that sounds like a really yeah. good way to do it. Excellent. Yeah, you could take a train up there and it's like, uh, yeah, we did it. It was it was wonderful. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, I'll come back with a full report. I'll come back okay. with a full report. All right. Uh, but yeah, let's go. I got I to gotta go pack and everything. So let's, uh, let's get this thing going. What are we talking about today? Uh, recognition. Hmm. Yep. So we got uh, facial recognition, keystroke recognition, and uh, Dothraki recognition. Oh, that's intriguing. All right, we'll learn more about that. Um, so, Dave, if uh, if folks want uh, 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 folks want more information about the rescue time or the cyber defense training camp, uh, what website can they go to? Yeah, they want to go to uh, dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. That's right. And uh, please go rate us on iTunes. Uh, and also uh, check us out on uh, Google Music. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, let's see, on the cutting room floor here. Dave, I see a theme on the cutting room floor. Okay. Let's see if, if people can detect a pattern here. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go through it. So if you go to dgshow.org check out the um see see if you see this pattern in this episode with the cutting room floor so i uh we got uh farmer robots we have homeless robots we have bratwurst grilling robots we have bubble blowing robots we have uh strolling robots we have circular robots we have a thousand uh uh, dancing robots we have a raspberry pi driverless racing robot um and we also have uh bunkers disguised as quaint swiss villas (laughs) Nice. I like what you did at the end there. You took it and you turned it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, so, Dave, we've talked about two-factor authentication we and and the party line. The policy at, at the Dave and Gunner show is everyone must have two-factor authentication turned on when it's available. Um, yes. And we've also talked about how problematic that is when you have SMS-based two-factor authentication um, because yep. text messages, as we know, are unencrypted, unauthenticated. Any Nimrod with a radio can send you one. Um, and uh, NIST just weighed in, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, they must listen to the show. Um, so yeah, so they have uh, an upcoming pair of uh, special publications uh, that uh, that bring that up, and they call out uh, for the exact same reasons we've been talking about as far as it being unencrypted. And, and it was interesting; they even called out, um, especially if it, they were less so worried about like traditional SMS, but they were really worried about. Um, SMS going through VoIP services like Google Voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 And uh, yeah, yeah. So and, and then uh, and this will warm your heart and, and the hearts of our listeners. But they are soliciting feedback, and the way that you can provide feedback is using uh, GitHub. That's awesome. That's just tremendous. That's just tremendous. Yep. Um, 
Man, who knew that GitHub would uh, GitHub would find this kind of second or alternate life as a uh, uh, as a government policy review engine yes. <laughs> as well as code, yeah. right? Oh, Ben Balter must uh, must love it. That's right. Yeah, I thought he probably he's probably his ears are probably itching right now. Um, yeah, that's a yeah. Hi, Ben. Ben Ben Balter is the uh, kind of is the head government guy for uh, for GitHub. Um, yep. And and incredibly nice guy. Incredibly nice guy. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, in another security news, uh, Dave, uh, we've talked about wireless mice before, haven't we? Yeah, wireless mice, and we've talked about wireless keyboards too, where um, you know they would be like a particular Microsoft keyboard or something like that would be unencrypted. And uh, yeah, so there's there's a new hack out called Radio Hack. Get it? Um, <laughs> where um, they it's it's really uh, a very detailed attack where they exploited keyboards from like all kind of people, including HP, Toshiba, Radio Shack, Kensington, Insignia, General Electric, Anchor, and Eagle Tech. Um, and yeah, so the whole thing was that if you have a wireless keyboard that does not use Bluetooth, uh, you're, it's probably using its own like chipset made from like some mega company where they're trying to hit a particular price point. And so there's very little security, if any security, on those devices at all. So if you have a non-Bluetooth keyboard and you like not having people look at what you're typing, uh, <laughs> you want to not use it. Because it was, it was interesting because uh, they were saying that they could just set up a beacon and like point it at an office building 250 feet away and just like slurp up keystrokes. Wow. Wow. And and you can't fix it with a firmware update because it's it's basically a chip that is like just a dumb chip that you can't reprogram. Wow, that's pretty bad. I mean, it makes sense. I'm not I can't say I'm surprised. But uh yep. yeah. So do do you think keyboards obviously cuz passwords go into keyboards. So I can imagine those being tricky, but can you imagine with a little bit of sophistication that a mouse would also betray you? Oh yeah. Yeah, we we've talked about this. Um where um, there was one of the Logitech mice where um, there's like, instead of using Bluetooth, it was the Logitech protocol. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would happen is that you would use the Logitech dongle and people could actually add keyboards um, to that dongle. Like, like uh, a yes. Party. Yeah. I remember this now. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But I, yeah, I have a wireless mouse and I'm not that worried about it, um, but we'll see. If, if there's like a, a van outside my house with the flowers by Irene on this side of the, the van, <laughs> I'll, I'll worry about it. <laughs> yeah, nice poll. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, and then, uh, so uh, obviously, authentication is important. Um, we've had fingerprint. I'm really enjoying the fingerprint scanner on my Nexus uh, 5X uh, phone, yeah. and uh, and obviously all the iPads and iPhones have them, um, and. It seemed like Android had a flirtation with facial recognition, but I don't see a lot of people using that, probably for good reason, I guess, because it's so easy to spoof. But um, there's a lot of different kinds of uh, kind of biometric stuff floating around, and and it's getting tied to um, these like machine learning systems, right? Because yep. uh, uh, the combination of kind of biometrics combined with a kind of a deep learning, but anyway, this, they're very useful together. Um, mm. So you found this thing about. Uh, about cameras actually doing sensing, not just someone's identity, not someone's identity rather, but how someone's feeling like their disposition. 
Yeah, yeah. So this reminded me of a couple episodes ago. Remember when uh, I think it was on uh, the episode called See You on Sunday, um, where they would use cameras in the church to do facial recognition (laughs) to see if parishioners were showing up? Yeah. Here you could use cameras to see if somebody is getting nervous or not. And what it does is it will um, do pixel analysis to see if the, the, the tone of your face will change color uh, and, and, you know, as, and based upon that, they could figure out what your heart rate is. Um, and, and if you have an escalated heart rate, then you must be nervous and you should, um, ha- have somebody talk to you. But I, I can, uh, to me, I think that's kind of cool because that's something you could possibly use in airports to help identify, you know, people that are maybe up to no good, but you may get some false positives of just some, somebody running through the airport or something that, and there, or somebody's afraid of flying or, or they're nervous about missing their flight and, and that could trigger unintended consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're looking for stress in an airport, you're, uh, you're, you're going to get a lot of false positives. You're gonna find it. Yeah, yeah. You're going to find it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting that the, uh, it's a really sophisticated, not, I mean, it surprises me that the cameras can pick up those tonal differences in the skin. Um, yeah, it seems like a yeah. really subtle way of doing it. It's a, that's yeah, no, no. I, I would have thought that unless it is a mega controlled environment, mm-hmm. but you have like time of day and yeah. just, you know, lighting changes, somebody turns a light on and off. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I think that you have to have a very controlled environment for stuff like this. Yeah. I wonder I, now, now, so I'm, now I'm going down the black mirror route and kind of like, okay, so take this technology to its logical conclusion, right? All of us are walking around with our Mark four Google glasses and as I'm talking to you, Dave, uh, my Google glasses are sensing tonal differences in your skin, and I get a little heads-up display that says, uh, "Hey, you're, you're you're making Dave nervous, uh, or, uh, or 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 you're you're making this guy angry." Um, yeah. Do you do, wish to continue? Do you... <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you could use that when you negotiate for your car, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sales situations become very different. Uh, so. I mean, I guess, is that the intended use? I mean, this seems like it would only be useful for, um, uh, like creepy applications, right? Um, like it's not that, like this kind of insight is not probably not going to be useful for me personally, I would think. Um, yeah, unless it's like you're making your wife mad, you better stop. And you know, <laughs> right, right. And if and if you need a set of Mark IV Google glasses for that, you know, you got you, you got to probably got another bag of, bag of problems you need to go think about. Um, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. And I can see shops wanting to use it, you know, so that they understand the kind of disposition of of the shoppers. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm just imagining this like nightmare scenario where like one bug. Or you know, like one bug in the software suddenly has you uh, changing the way you perceive yourself and the way you move through the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, oh, whoops, sorry, we overcorrected for whatever anxiety. And uh, when you thought you were making all those people anxious, it turns out you weren't. It was just bad software. Um, yeah, there's some interesting ethical consequences to that. Oh yeah, or even you know the, them using it in the car dealership where it's like let's see how far we could push Gunner. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's like, uh, let's okay, we're almost there. We're almost there. We could probably get a little bit more, you know. And uh, you know, it's like, I, oh, well, I, let me go talk to my manager, and then you you walk off, and they watch you cool down, and and it's like, you know, yeah, you could have fun with that. Yeah, 
Creepy. Creepy. Yep. All right. Um, looking forward to that Black Mirror episode. Um, yeah. But yeah. but you could do this at home if you like, though. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So um, I, I put a link in the show notes. There's um, uh, Machine Learning is Fun series. And uh, part four, they do Modern Face Recognition with Deep Learning. Ah. Well, that's kind of, that's yeah. Well, that's delightful. I think that sounds great. Yeah. So there's there's a whole tutorial um, and uh, on uh, machine learning, and one of them is on face recognition, and it's it's actually kind of fun where it shows um, uh, you know how historically people have, have pointed to uh, Will Ferrell and uh, the drummer Chad Smith uh, looking almost like identical twins, <laughs> and and they actually use this as a case study to see whether they are identical or not, <laughs> and and so it's all open source. They use a library called Open Face mm-hmm. uh, to be able to do facial recognition, and then they give you uh, Linux containers to build, and and you can do everything with uh, containers. Wow, that's kind of, that's like a that's that's red meat for DG Show. That's a uh, that checks all the boxes. That's yep. great. Yep. Open open source home uh, surveillance state. <laughs> so speaking of, uh, you know, we got the fingerprint scanners on the phones. We got the face recognition. Um, and uh, but if you watch any any spy movie, you know that the the best form of biometric uh, uh, measurements is the is the iris scanner. Right. Right. Um, Especially. Yeah. When they, they take it and it's on the end of a big pen and they're using it to open it. <laughs> that's right. Open a door. Yeah, right. That's right. Pull, pull your stolen eyeballs out of the plastic bag and hold them up to the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I got the wrong eyeball. Let me, wait, <laughs> yeah, let me get yeah. back. <laughs> that's right. Um, the whole Ziploc bag of them. Right. Yeah. Right. So, the, so Dave, the future is now. Um, the uh, news this week, the Galaxy Note 7, which is the, the, the big version of the, of the Galaxy um, uh, phablets. Um, is actually going to ship with an iris scanner in it. Um, so you'll be able to, you hold it, I think, 25 to 35 centimeters away from your face. It'll scan your scan your eyeballs and uh, and unlock the phone. That doesn't look, that doesn't sound dumb looking at all. <laughs> so now you have all these people just holding this thing up to their eyeball. and. Well, no, it's cool now because, I mean, it, everybody will just assume you're playing Pokemon Go. Right, yeah, possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, uh, there is a, there is a, that does seem a restri- like a restrictive use case, though. I think this is probably the same reason that the facial recognition won't unlock your phone. Like, people don't necessarily use the facial recognition. is because it's, like, super awkward to have to hold your phone up to your face um, mm-hmm. to unlock it. That's It's hard to imagine that being easier than, you know, just laying your finger on the, on the thing, right? Right, right. But I, I'm not a fan of biometrics at all. Because um, it's like, how how can you reset your retina or how do you reset your fingerprint or you know get a new set if somebody takes them yeah 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 i got yeah i guess that's right i guess that's right what was that i thought i saw somebody maybe it was major hayden had uh gives a really good piece of advice he said uh you know when you do your fingerprint scanning um your fingerprint is not a password the fingerprint is your username yeah that's exactly right which is exactly right yep mm-hmm. anywho anywho so what's this about dothraki yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, in uh, Pittsburgh, the uh, Office of Public Art, um, they're they're looking for uh, Klingon, Elvish, or uh, Dothraki speakers. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's so I guess what they want to do is be able to provide multilingual tours. You know, being multicultural and everything, um, they want to be able to uh, do walking tours and uh, to, so they could teach audiences about uh, public art and and so. Um, you know that you know they even say it's like look, 
you don't even need to be an art expert. We'll get you there. All you have to do is be able to speak Klingon, Elvish, or Dothraki. Um, so it's interesting they didn't have like uh, 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 Romulan or um, or Vulcan. Well, I think the I, th- I think the uh, the the, uh, the prejudice of uh, of Pittsburgh against uh, Romulans is is well documented. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. But seriously, is this ju- was this just like a ruse so that they could better, so that people would pay attention to the ad or pay attention to the job opening, or is this like a is like is this like a real thing that they're doing? It could be. I don't know. Um, it, it was on Craigslist, so it was probably like think about guerrilla marketing. Um, yeah. That it could be. Uh, you ought to do that. The, it, put a Craigslist ad out for a rel documentation person. Um, <laughs> To, to, that can speak uh, Klingon, Elvish, or Dothraki, and, and we'll try to get like the installation guide uh, ported. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down. It's a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks if if people sign up. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, and you know, uh, remember when we talked a while ago about that that stab proof suit? Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. Course. Which it seems like a great thing for like meetings and stuff, right? <laughs> um. Yeah, the, and this this new thing reminded me of that, where um, now there's a bulletproof headscarf. Wow. So how does... Okay, how does that work? So it's basically like an old-school uh, headscarf, mm-hmm. but it's Kevlar-based. And you wrap it around your head, and one and the whole thing that it's trying to do is, um, you know, in Lebanon, they're, they're struggling with... Uh, the, the dangerous ritual of celebratory gunfire, which often happens at weddings and funerals and elections. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so people end up getting shot. And then, um, and, uh, but what they're, and, and I was thinking, it's like, wow, if somebody shot me in the face and it's like, I just have a piece of Kevlar wrapped around my face. I would at least get like a black eye, I would think, or something like that. But yeah, that's going to hurt. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, or a broken nose or something. And, uh, but they said, uh, that a, uh, a, a bullet uh, to the head would require at least nine layers of Kevlar. And it's possible, uh, by the way, um, uh, one wraps uh, this uh, headscarf around their head. Huh. Okay, so, so you do little nine wraps and then you're basically wearing a helmet. Yeah, pretty much. They, they, they describe it as like it's not unlike wearing a motorcycle helmet. Hmm. Wow. But what they wanted to do was have it be something that is... Um, it fit in culturally in Lebanon that, you know, it's like, Hey, I could, I could wear this around and nobody looks like I'm wearing a motorcycle helmet. You know? <laughs> right, right. But I, I, and I, I wonder if it's to draw attention or if it is that serious of a problem of like that people actually have to wear this all the time, you know, right. that it's like right. that bad. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Yep. Uh, Dave, I'm excited. I, from what I understand, uh, August 5th, I think is the release date for Nougat, the new Android. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So it's coming up. Yeah. That will, wow. That it probably, uh, it'll be out by the time, uh, this goes to air, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if the rumors are true. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, you know, it's neat how Google has been decoupling the apps from the operating system so things can update independently. Like, Things like the dialer used to be so baked into the uh, operating system, um, and and I think it's broken out now. But the, the the new feature with the dialer app is that it will automatically detect if you're getting a call from a spammer. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like this. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it would, it would, uh, which I would, you know, like I've seen these articles from like AT&T saying, oh, no, we can't do this. And how do how do you do a robocaller? It's like you would but you would think that for years, Google has been fighting this with spam in Gmail uh, successfully for like well over a decade. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, and, and you know, and I wonder, too, if if you get like a spam phone call, if you could market it, you know, like like let's say it gets through. And, but you could still mark the call as spam after the fact, and and you can help train the database to that's like, oh, here's a new one for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, what a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And then, but also, I know that with the whole do not call registry, um, it's I think it's religious institutions and the government can still robocall you. Um, they're exempt. Um, but but I wonder if you mark whoever you want as spam uh, it could it could actually get uh, get them uh, part of the the like the google um uh spam corpus of 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 phone numbers to block or at least make suspect right right well and i was also thinking about um uh you know those the suburban neighborhoods who were plagued by uh by ways uh traffic advice um mm-hmm. and they were injecting false positives into the system to route traffic around their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's something similar here where, you know, if I found the 800 number for a competitor, a competing company, um, then I could just have, uh, I have my whole company flag their company as spam um, and, uh, and prevent their, you know, their inside sales team from doing their job. Yeah. Like do it like a, a hire out, like a mechanical Turk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like a room full of people overseas, like a call center or something. Just yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. What a complicated world. What a complicated world we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of complicated, mm. I, I saw that Amazon patented a way for uh, drones to land on top of uh, lamp posts and church steeples. You know, it's funny. I read this and I realized, like, I, well, why didn't this occur to us immediately? But like, of course, this makes total sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I was especially for like a lamp post, right? Because you already have electricity going through it, and then you you could have this perch that it could land on, and then it could charge the drone. Mm-hmm. It's way up above, so like the the um, you know a vandal or somebody like that, it would be harder to get to the drone uh, while it's recharging. Um, and so it would be somewhat protected there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of neat. And church steeples would be weird to me to, you know, you see a church steeple and then with a drone sitting on top of it, I think that would sort of defeat the purpose of a steeple uh, aesthetically, <laughs> unless it depends what church you're going to, but yeah. So, but, and there's precedent, right? I mean, for, yeah, the cell phone towers, um, yeah. we're like, yeah, the, uh, and so I guess this makes sense and, and a nice little revenue stream probably. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I also can see this as a, like a movie plot device of like, almost like the birds meet the drones, you know, <laughs> where you have people running down the, uh, running down the street and then all of a sudden you have all these lamp posts and then they like the, the drone lights up and then it goes and <laughs> attacks somebody and then it goes back and dripping with blood and <laughs> goes back and recharges or something. Cool. Uh, how's work going? Good, good. I got uh, got an article published 
um, the, talking about automation. So uh, Justin will be pleased. I uh, talked about uh, Ansible and 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 how uh, automation could help with uh, some problems that the government is having in terms of like data center consolidation and and help them drive down labor costs. Cool. Well, that's great. That's great. As a, so, do you feel like you've got? To, I know that we do, we made the Ansible acquisition. I guess. Uh, some time ago, like how quickly have have they like kind of integrated culturally? Like, are they are they now kind of naturally part of your conversations, or are they still uh, kind of an island onto themselves? Oh no, it, it seems to be like like supernatural. Um, where, like with Ansible, uh, you know, being mostly former Red Hatters, anyhow, the the cultural fit was pretty good, and then also, you know, having an open source product, being able to like get it integrated. Uh, quickly has been great. Cool. That's great. That's great. Yep. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Major Hayden, um, I don't want to let cats out of the bag because I don't want to jinx it. But you know how he does uh, T-shirts. I do. Yeah. So uh, let me just say this: Defense in Depth is on October sixth. That's all I'm going to say. Awesome. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. That's let great. you draw your own conclusions until we <laughs> got. Uh, but 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 we have an agreement in place in principle. So uh, very yeah. nice. Oh, I'm yeah. looking for a link in the show notes. So make sure you register, and uh, we'll we'll make SE Linux enforcing again. <laughs> so I got some good news this morning. Yeah. Um, oh, what happened? So we're recording here on Thursday afternoon. Um, this morning we got news that uh, our beloved Red Hat Enterprise Virtualization uh, has now moved into the Visionary Quadrant on the Gartner Magic Quadrant. That's great. Why? Why is that? What, uh, what, what was their What was their reasoning? Yeah. So the uh, well. Uh, so you know they they do it on on two axes, right? Like one is uh, kind of the quality of our vision for the product, or like you know what we want to do, and then the other measurement is kind of like our ability to execute on that vision. Um, and so if you can, if you're really good at what you want to do, and uh, you have good ideas, uh, then you end up in the upper right-hand corner. That's the leader quadrant. That's where everybody wants to be, obviously. Um, and so the uh, to date, it's been you know basically VMware and Hyper-V uh, have been the two virtualization solutions, and those are in the leader quadrant. It makes total sense. They're the two market leaders. Um, and everyone else has been kind of shoved into the bottom left, um, either with you know Gartner being skeptical of their ability to execute um, or not particularly enjoying their vision or some combination of the two. And uh, Rev finally broke out of that crowd and is now the sole occupant of the visionary quadrant. Um, and so this is all about uh, Rev's uh, close connection to Linux and the Linux kernel. Um, mm-hmm. I think Gartner has now recognized what we've been saying all along, which is, you know, uh, it's having control and having being able to exert influence over an open source hypervisor is actually very important. And then marrying that with some high quality management tools that make it easy for, uh, that make it easy for Rev uh, to coexist with uh, cloud deployments and, um, and existing infrastructures is really important. So anyway, I don't want to give you all the Rev sales pitch here, but it's nice to get a little attaboy from, uh, from the folks at Gartner. So we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're stoked. That's great. That's yeah. great. Take it when you can get it. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so have you seen this my hitch thing? Uh, I haven't, but you know, I've been. <laughs> I actually, I real. This is for the first time in a long time going to Sweden. I Ingrid needs another suitcase, um, and so I'm actually going to fly over with two suitcases, which, as you know, Dave, is a violation of one of my core traveling principles. 
Um, right. And so now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to lug two suitcases around in addition to my carry-on. So I'm looking for solutions. So tell, so tell me about this. Yeah. So there, there's this thing that uh, an airline pilot, I guess, he came up with. It's called My Hitch. Mm. And basically, it, it turns uh, suitcases into tails. Mm. Tell me more. Yeah. So, so you, so basically, think of it as a hook that you put in the, like behind you, uh, like in your like belt loop, you know, and and then you uh, latch your your rollerboard uh, to that hook, and then that frees your hands up to walk around, um, and and you basically have you're using your butt to uh, drag around your suitcase, and your hands are free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the video now. Um, I, <laughs> I like this. I like this reporter's uh, the reporter's uh, headline here. This is if you sacrifice your pride, anything is possible. <laughs> For only eighteen dollars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, and I'm just like, it's like, like, would this make air travel better or worse? Let, let me just open, open question. I, I don't want to lead you. Would, would this make air travel better or worse? So much worse. So much worse. Cause like, what's How the, so? what's the worst thing about negotiating an airport is people who stand with their suitcase still askew. Right. Um, so it, it, rather than this, rather than the rollerboard being, uh, upright and standing next to them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. they'll stand there at the line for McDonald's or whatever, and uh, and the suitcases at a forty five degree angle, so occupying the space of basically two or three people, which makes it much more likely somebody's going to trip over it, um, makes it much yep. more likely that they're in the way, and this basically institutionalizes it while simultaneously making me feel bad about humanity. Yeah, yeah, and I, I haven't thought about that, and that's a great point. Like for me, I always have like when I saw this, I had the mental picture of Charlotte when when you're in Charlotte, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, it's huge airport your gates for where you're connecting are always at the other end of the airport and you have a short layover and you're just hauling to mm-hmm. get there. And then there's, it's always crowded. You, you have the, the electric cart that's driving people around. That's like cutting people off and everything. And, and I'm typically like running through the airport, like OJ Simpson, but like in a good way. Right. <laughs> and, and you're like trying to navigate everything. And if, and if it was like all these people with with the their uh my hitch uh like just like taking up the whole owl and everything it, it could just be disastrous and i i think raise the anxiety levels where i would be um tripping off those sensors in the in the previous segment about uh <laughs> you know with with the anxiety level um <laughs> so, excuse me sir can you take your can you pick up your butt suitcase and come with us <laughs> yeah yeah uh okay so thumbs down on uh on my hitch it sounds like yeah yeah it's from uh seasoned travelers but uh but yeah but that's that's just us but i'm i'm surprised an airline pilot would come up with that i guess but uh i don't know what do i know yeah 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 i would have thought he would know better yeah that's right that's right on the other hand he's got a lot of free time and he could probably use the cash so yeah true true absolutely yeah yeah speaking of free time Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and machine learning, uh, natural language processing. Um, yeah, did, did you see about that that heavy metal uh, analysis that's been going on lately? No, I you know I just, just before the show started here, I was reading the notes here, but yeah, yeah, walk me through it. Yeah, so there's a guy that uh, he's he's doing some research, and he basically took um, he wanted to figure out what are the most 
metal sounding words in, I guess, the English language. Mm -hmm. So he took, uh, uh, he basically scraped the lyrics from uh, uh, darklyrics.com to get a corpus of metal uh, song lyrics. Mm -hmm. And then he used uh, the Brown Corpus, which is a, a collection of documents published in 1961 covering a range of different genres. Um, but there was uh, no lyrics in it. So then he did a comparative analysis, and, and the math is in the, the write-up that shows how he does it. And then he figured out which are uh, the most metal words and what are the least metal words. And I, I think, like, Eric Morrissey would look at the analysis here, and he would be, like, all over it, and he would pull down the data, and he would be doing some – get some R going on OpenShift and, and do, do some – take it to the next level. But uh, but yeah, yeah. So um, let, let me quiz you here. You tell me if this is uh, more metal or least or less metal. Yes. Okay. Um, burn. Uh, most. Most most metal. Okay. How about uh, university? Mm, not very much at all. No, that doesn't sound very metal. Okay. Soul. Uh, not metal. Not metal. Ah. Eh, I'm sure there's probably like like some uh, um, yeah you name it the people talking about souls uh, dancing for one um, oh sure right probably, yeah no, that yeah makes soul sense. albums that dedicated sense. to that yeah okay uh, how about ashes uh, yeah that's metal ashes are metal okay okay um, chairman mm, not metal no not metal good not good metal. good yeah demons yes metal yes metal metal okay very yeah. good very good uh, employees. Mm, no, no, that's more dead milkman, not metal. Dead, yeah. no. All right, all right. I, I think people get it. I think people get it. And, and you're, you know, they could look in the links too. And there's nice uh, word clouds and and of metal words, and you could make a poster of it if you'd like. Uh, go check out the site and and pull down the data and do the analysis yourself. I'm gonna put on my word nerd hat. I think that there is probably a strong correlation between uh, the 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 words that you told me were metal are like Anglo-Saxon, like guttural, like old Norse words, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the and the not metal words like university are all French or come hmm. from French. So I'll wager. Interesting. I'll wager that very much like Hemingway, most of the uh, metal words are, are Anglo-Saxon words and uh, yeah. come, come from that tradition. And possibly uh, word length, maybe. Yeah, or, um, that's right. Syllables yep. per word. Yep, yeah. yep. Like you want, you want like really uh, short words to hit like a certain beat. Yes, um, yeah, that's right. Punctuate. Yeah, that's right. Again, Hemingway's metal. I guess that, that's my takeaway. Hemingway's yep. metal. Yeah. Yeah. Not French. <laughs> Definitely not French. Yeah. <laughs> that's great, Dave. Uh, all right, what do you say? You want to button this up? Yeah, yeah. This is this is fun. Looking looking forward to enjoy your trip to Sweden, and and we'll see you on the other side. Talk to me, Kit.